Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello everyone, my name is Rebecca Kelly and you're listening to the Everywhere We Go podcast. On this week's episode, I sit down with Ruth Leonard. Her totally ruthless videos have amassed millions of viewers around the world. But behind this very funny personality is a story of great sadness and immense bravery. Ruth talks to me about growing up in Drogheda and how unfortunately her childhood was far from a safe haven. As she watched her father violently beat her mother and at just 13 years of age witnessed a beating that she knew would end her mother's life. We chat through the devastating effects domestic violence has had on not only her as a child, but how it has affected her through the years as an adult. We talk about the effects it has had in her relationship with her mother, her siblings, her husband and her father. We talk about how over a celebratory drink and dinner, Totally Rootless was born. We talk about her children, Joe and Jessica, and of Joe's recent diagnosis. Ruth, thank you for being so open and honest. Domestic violence is a global problem with enormous proportions. And you, Ruth, are one of the bravest people I know. Everywhere we go, people want to know who you are and where we come from. So who are you and where do you come from? I'm Ruth. <laughs> I'm totally Ruthless. <laughs> I'm from Drada. <laughs> you wouldn't know with that accent now, wouldn't you? Now? Not at all. Agmiru, uh, tell me about growing up a little bit in Drogheda and what was that like? Oh, Drogheda. It's just a very small town. It's like, it's just, in, everyone knows everyone. In really? that kind of way, everywhere mm. you go. <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's just a small town. Went to school there, grew up there, council estate, you know. Uh, then I went off to America and said, right, bye, see you, Drogheda. <laughs> tell me about America. Oh, how long have you got? Go on. I would always be an au pair. <laughs> Did you? I just had to get out of Drogheda and out of Ireland. I just said, I'm gone. Good luck. As soon as I turned 18, I applied. Got it. I was gone when I was 19. And lived there with a lovely family. The Snyders. They were oh, Jewish. Really? And in Virginia. And I just had the best year of my life. And I was there for 13 months. And then I had to come home because my visa was up. And I came home and I remember... When I came home, all the girls were all there with balloons and mom was there. I was delighted to see everyone as yeah. well, of course, my brother and my sister. And uh, we went out that night then to a nightclub. You know, I was, I was still jet lagged. I was knackered. And I met my husband that night. Stop. Met Andy that night. And then that was it. I didn't go back. <laughs> <laughs> and would you have went back if you didn't meet me? Yeah, because the family wanted me to go back and be their full-time nanny. Because they only had a baby. Oh, God. Yeah. 
So they were like, you know, okay, go home, get your stuff together. Uh, we'll have your flights ready and we'll organize the whole a green card and everything. Yeah. So it just goes to show you what's for you won't pass you. Pass you. Yeah. And then tell me a little bit about America. Like what was, it, what was the lifestyle like? Oh, it's completely different from Ireland, obviously. Mm. I mean, you don't go out. You, like I used to, I would have every weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, bank holiday, Mondays, if I could with the girls here. Yeah. As soon as I could start drinking. And when you go over there, it's 21s and it's, Super strict. So you will not get a drink unless you're in a house. So we basically just went to each other's houses. I met a bunch of other au pairs and nannies and we just like had sleepovers in their houses every weekend and went to the cinema. And that was it really. You just don't go to nightclubs or anything like that. You just wouldn't get in, you know? Not the way like we would have got in no. at 16 and everything ne- like that. What? No way. We went over again to America, me and Andy and the kids. And Andrew was asked for ID and he was 27. Oh it's very strict. Like there was not a hope in hell of me getting in anywhere. And if you did, you, you, you'd really, really knew the person or something. Yeah. And they'd say, right, go on. But very rarely. Yeah. And how did your mom feel about you going? She didn't want me to go. Did you not? No, because I'm the oldest mm. and my sister was six and my brother was 12. And my mom and dad were separated. So she was on her own. And because I raised them, I just needed to get away and start having a life. Like, you know, and she just didn't want me to go. I know. And a lot of things fell apart while I was away with my mom and the kids and everything, you know. So when I came back, I was just thrown back into it again. It was just like I never left. So tell me, before we start talking about Ruthless, yeah. talk to me about on your page. Yeah. A week and a half ago, two weeks ago, yeah. you came out on your page and you talked about domestic abuse. Yeah. So do you want to talk about that? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So... When initially people think domestic abuse, they think it's a husband straight away. But for yeah. you, the story was your, my dad, your dad. Yeah. Okay. So do you want to tell us what was going yeah. on? Um, basically, I think I can remember as far back, probably about four or five. I don't know. It's a bit blurry kind of then, but I do remember some things. But when I turned, probably my brother was born when I was six. So probably say seven or eight, I started to remember the really bad stuff. Like, you know, um, it was basically the normal 80s household. The woman stayed at home with the kids. Dad went out to work or the pub or whatever it is he went. My father probably did both. He went to work and got money for alcohol. because He was an alcoholic and then would come home and beat my mother. Do you know what I mean? And it just went on and on for years and it just got worse. The violence got worse. Now, he never hit us or did that to us. What he did to us was mental what he did to mom was physical. My dad was six foot two. My mom was only four foot nothing. So you can imagine, you know. <clears throat> Take your time. With it. Um, so uh, I don't know if you, if you listen to it all. One of the, the, the worst for me was sitting in the wardrobe with my brother. And I just remember holding his ears. And I remember thinking, sorry, Beth. Okay. <clears throat> Let me get tissue. All right. I remember thinking, I'm never letting my family go through this. I'm not letting my brother go through this. And that's it. It's just not going to happen. Um, but what happened then was mom and dad did separate for a while. I went to live with my granny and things like that. Then they got back together. As you do back then, you get barren orders, you go to court, then it's all thrown out and you're back home again. Everything's wonderful. You know, daddy's off the drink again for about a month and then it all starts again. And then of course my mom then got pregnant at 40. <laughs> so we were, I was like, you're what? <laughs> After, how, how old were you? I was 12. And I remember thinking, you're what? You know, do you, do, you, do you not realize what's happening here? When my granny found out that she was pregnant, she hit her over the head with a horse. <laughs> she was going to kill 
anyway, my sister Rachel was born. And uh, and can I ask you, just as a 12 year old, yeah. realizing she's had to get herself pregnant, don't yeah. you like that? But yeah, like she had to get herself pregnant and we're in such a horrible, horrible situation. situation. Situations where, you know, we try to drown her in the bath. Situations where he hung her out the back window and I had to call the guards and then goes and has a baby. We're like, what? So anyway, you deal with it. And I remember Rachel was born the day before my confirmation. How did you deal with it? I just got on with it. It was just my life. And I just thought this is my life now for the rest of my life. This is what it is. This is norm. This is the norm. But it wasn't the norm. It definitely was not the norm. But I felt like it was just my life and that was it. Did you feel that you just had to protect your brother? I had to protect my brother and now my sister. A baby. You know? And then mom came home from hospital and Rachel was there. Everything was grand. And then... It all just started again. And I remember the one particular day I was about 13. Rachel was, would have been one. And I knew something was brewing. I always had this sense of my dad. I knew something was brewing. Mom was upstairs getting ready to go to work because she had to work because he wasn't giving her any money. Um, and then I just remember thinking, right, he's got drink on him now. And my mom's upstairs. It's four o'clock in the day. It was bright. It was the middle of summer. It was bright outside. And I just heard screaming. I thought, what the hell? And I went in. It was my sister, Rachel. My dad had her on his knee, on his knee. And whatever way he lifted her up, she hit her head off the wall. And I ran in and said, give her to, I went and I said, give her to me, give her to me. And he got his tick or whatever. And then of course ran up, he got ticked then and then ran up the stairs after my mom. So she was curling her hair, getting herself ready for the old tongs. Remember the old yeah. tongs mammies used to have? Yeah. And just pulled it off her and just started hitting her and everything. He slammed the door on me and then he had her kind of out the window. He was throwing her out the back window, the top window. She would have been killed. And I just said, that's something just, I think I just snapped. And I just ran across the road. We'd no phones, like we'd nothing then. And I ran over to a neighbor and just rang the guards, asked him up here. If he's don't come up here now, my mother's going to be dead. But they did. And they rest. Took him away. Well, what was going through your head uh, other than, you know, your mom's going to be dead, but like, how does a 12 year old or 13 year old like have to do that? What, like, what kind of childhood did you have? It was, it was just not nice. It really wasn't. My poor mother tried everything and it just, she, nothing, she, nothing she did could have done anything because she, she, he was never going to change. He was just going to do it every single time until I did that that day. And I told my mom, if he's not gone, I'm gone. I was 13. I was going to go live with my granny. I said, I'm gone. And I was terrified. I was thinking, she's going to kill me. She's going to kill me never in the guards and everything. And then the neighbor, our neighbor came in and I remember hiding in the kitchen going, oh my God, I'm in so much trouble. I'm in so much trouble, like, you know, but she never did. She never blamed me for it. But I think I've lived with that guilt and I still do. He's dead now, 12 years. I still live with the guilt that I, I had to call the guards on my own father for good reason, but still that doesn't change how I feel. It's going to take a long time. Do you know there's so many children out there that are calling the guards on their fathers? Yeah. Or on the mothers? Yeah. Or on brothers or sisters or uncles or anyone in your family could be doing it to you. And I talked about it a week and a half ago because I don't think there's enough out there for children who suffered with domestic violence when they were younger and are now adults. Mm -hmm. It does affect you so much. It's a, people say, oh, that happened years ago. That, that's bullshit. Sorry, my let's swear. Yeah. That's complete bullshit because that does affect you later on in life. And I always swore I'd always marry a good man, 
I would never marry a man that would hit me. Now, you don't know what you're going to get into. I could have married an absolute, you know, but I didn't. Thank God. And my family is a happy family now. And I, my husband adores me. I adore him. Um, But that guilt is still there. And even sometimes I look at my mother now and I still go, how did she do it? How? And my dad did karate. Like he'd kick the living daylights out of her in front of us. How she got through it, I don't know. I really don't know. Was she ever bruised? Yeah. She'd, she'd a miscarriage and everything. I'm in so much trouble. I'm in so much trouble. She'd a miscarriage and everything. Yeah. She lost her baby. Yeah. Just after I was, when I was born, she got pregnant again. And she lost that baby because of domestic violence. Yeah. So I don't know how she did it. And I remember my granny telling me a story. My granny was great with the stories years ago that I don't remember. And she said to me, Ruth, she said, I remember the door knocking one night. It was the middle of the night. And the other way back then, it'd be like, oh, who's that at the door this time of night, you know? And it was a doctor, my mom's doctor. And he had said to my granny, you need to get her away from him because he's going to kill her. He eventually will kill her. And that was it. And she didn't, she didn't get away from him until I got her away from him or got him away from her more than anything else. I just said to her, I remember saying to her, my brother and sister is not living with that. That's it. And they never did after that. What an old, old head and you at that age to stand up and make I was a grown up. I was an adult when I was 10. And that's the truth. I really, really was. And then when I was 12, mom, mom had to go to work. Um, and Rachel was there as a baby. I was making bottles. I was feeding her. I was late for school all the time. I was getting in trouble at school. They sent me to the guidance counsellor. I fell asleep one day in school and they brought me to the principal. I was so tired because there was times where mom would go to work and dad would be drunk and he'd lock her out. And I used to have to wait up until he was asleep to let her in. And then she'd get into my bed with me, like, and stuff like that. And I used to, that'd be at three in the morning. She was a waitress and worked in a bar. And I'd be going to school, nine o'clock, like, you know. So eventually I had to leave school. One of my big regrets. God. Yeah. Yeah. And was there ever good days with him? Yeah. That's the sad part. Yeah. When my dad was sober, it was like Jekyll and Hyde. He used to bake. I used to remember the smell of chicken. I don't know what it was. Chicken. He used to make a chicken pie. And if I smelt the chicken pie coming in from school, I knew it was a good day. Do you know that kind of way I knew? I said, oh my God, I can smell the chicken. He's cooking. That's a good day. Mm. A bad day was when you walk in, you get no smell and the bolognese is on the wall. Mm. Which happened many times, you know, where the food would be splattered on the wall or whatever. I used to just, that smell of chicken sticks in my head. Does it? Yeah, because it made me happy. I look for the happy stuff, you know. But then he went away to live in Saudi Arabia during a time where um, mom was pregnant on my brother. So I was only six and he was told, you're going to have to go away and get away from Mary because you're going to kill her. So he did. He went to Saudi Arabia for about six months and um, came home when Barry was born and never went back and just started all again. And what was he doing over there? Plaster. That was his trade. God. Yeah. So, yeah, I know. Saudi Arabia, like, I mean, who would ever go there? Yeah, I know. And he did. And he used to send home loads of money. I remember mum used to have to go down to the post office or the bank or something. And I remember her dragging me down and she'd be collecting the cheque. And it was just like winning the lotto, you know, because uh, he was earning such big money. Mm. And then just came home and it all descended. He should have stayed. But he didn't. And did she, like, 
the, the chicken pie like you like that because I've said this before on other podcasts like we and Paul his father was an alcoholic and um, Paul had a different podcast with me that we would watch as children we would watch whose father was coming down the road oh yeah I'd Absolutely. And the thing about living where I lived on a council estate, there was a lot of it going on. And a lot of it was behind closed doors. My dad would be a devil for that, where he would be very vigilant of who was watching. He would never do it outside. Uh, the only time it ever happened outside was when I opened the door and ran for the guards and all the neighbours came out, but then they ran in and closed their, their curtains and doors. And, you know, it was like, oh, it's nothing to do with us. It's not our problem. Well, I think if I was a neighbour and that was happening, I can tell you now that would be my problem. Because I wouldn't allow it. Did anyone intervene? No. No. And I think it, it was an age where you made, you made your bed lying. Exactly. You married him. You know, the first time he hit you, you, you stayed. So, you know, that's like, don't get me wrong. A couple of my uncles went up and gave him a hiding a couple of times or whatever, mm. but she'd defend him. She'd say, oh, get off him. Don't do that. And they'd be like, I'm coming up here and I'm trying to help you and Ruth. Me only a baby. No. She would defend him every single time. And to the day he died, she loved him. Really? Yeah. Broke her heart. Yeah. Yeah. So when the guards came, <coughs> what happened? When the guards came, I was in the neighbor's house. She wouldn't let me out. She was a bat like God love her. She's still there. She was like, you're not going back over there, Ruth. Stay where you are. And I saw them get the car, the, the where the car pulls in. My house is just around the corner. So I could see it was a vanguard and a guard. And I could see them walking up to my front door and the front door, I left the door open. So they went in and then I could hear a scuffle. And uh, then they took him out in handcuffs and put him in the back of the car. I was looking out the window of my neighbor's house. That was it. And he was allowed to have one phone call. And he rang his twin brother. And then he came up to the house and was asking what was going on. He's the, his twin brother is um, the perfect brother. Right. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? So you have twins and you have the yeah, good apple and you have the bad apple. Mm-hmm. You've, he was the good apple. Um, and I used to be so jealous. I used to be so jealous of my cousins and everything, you know. But um, did you? He, hang on, did you? Yeah, absolutely. They had everything. They, like he worked for Coke. Coca-Cola like that was to work for Coca-Cola back in the 80s oh my god and he used to come up to us at Christmas with uh, big crates of Fanta and Coke and everything and I used to love him I used to say oh my god my uncle like you know why can't my dad be like him why did we get the bad one um so yeah so I'm still very close to my uncle now and my cousins of course they know the situation you know um and did you find that way other people around you in the area that you were like your neighbors even like that you were your friends going God, my house is not like this. And yeah. was there a house that you found comfort yeah, in? Yeah, I did. I found comfort in a lot of friends' houses and I spent a lot of time in my friends' houses and their parents were so nice to me and to this day still so good to me and we're still all friends. And I, there's one in particular, the lovely Anne-Marie, she knows, him, she knows who she is. Um, I would go up to her and her mom would bring me in and I'd have something to eat. They'd give me dinner or whatever. I'd stay over. A lot of time I wouldn't stay over because I wouldn't leave Barry and Rachel or Barry really at the time before Rachel came. And, uh, I would, I'd spend a lot of time with friends and think, why, you know, and then they'd come out with like a new coat or a new school bag or a new something. And I'm still there with the same one from the first year. And, oh, you know, and then there'd be school trips and I wouldn't be going on the school trips and everybody else would. And it's just the way my life was. And that was it. And I just accepted it. I accepted it. And as soon as I saw that thing in the paper about oh, pairs in America, <laughs> Gone. Adios, amigos. He'll be grand. Dad's now gone now and he's in his own place. Mam's safe. I'm away. (laughs) 
And what would you say to Barry in the moment that he never, he, did he not touch? Because sometimes men, they, they touch the boy, like they, they'd hit the yeah. boys as well because they're a boy. But no, he never hits. Never. And I know I could say that now without anything. Absolutely never. No, no. If we were like bold, you know, mm, yeah, of course, smack like on the arse or something like that. that. But no, he, he would never. But my, my brother grew up absolutely hating him. And then my brother went to live in Australia for 12 years. He only came home two years ago for my sister's wedding. Three years ago. Yeah. Um, and he even won't go to the graveyard. Like I go up all the time. Like, do you? Yeah. But that's just the way I, I, I go up and I talk to him and everything. It's so, people say to me, Ruth, what are you doing? I can't help it. What do you say to him? I just talk to him and say, look, Jess and Joe, I tell him about Joe and everything and what he's going through. And I just, I, it's just the guilt. It's still, and you know, I think a part of me still loves him. It's sad. I know. I understand. People say to me, how can you? I don't know. I can't explain it. I do. I go up and I talk to him. And at the end of the day, I only had one dad. He might have been what he was, but he's still my dad. Um, and that's just the way I am. I can't. I can't hate him. Whereas if you, me and my brother have fought a lot over it because um, mom wants to be buried with him. And that's caused a massive friction in the house because I believe that mom's entitled to her wish but the rest of the family's like, no, I'm not, I'm not fucking standing there over his, I'm like, oh Jesus Christ, you know, but that's, yeah, that's what I'm up against as well. Like, <laughs> and you can understand that. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And even when I told them I was doing this and I was talking about it on Instagram and Facebook or whatever, they were like, yeah, yeah, you fucking say whatever you want to say about him. Mm. You know, it's my little therapy. I felt after that very refreshed or something that I spoke about it because I never have. It was always a closed door, you know? And this is the thing that we we just said it off mic that people aren't aware of your persona. So does your persona ruthless and mm. people think it's hilarious and funny and think that, but actually behind it. Yeah. There's a lot of sadness. There's a lot of sadness. There's a lot of depression. There's a lot of sadness. There's a lot of hurt, a lot of pain. Um, I won't lie. Ruthless is my escape most of the time. That's why I'm, I do it so much. It just gives me something to it gets my mind off other stuff like, um, and I do rootless is my escape and I'm doing it four years now and I absolutely love it. And mm. if people don't like it, then don't look at it. Don't look at it. It's very simple. Yeah. <laughs> Can I ask you at that point that the guards came and took him, did he go to jail? Like what? Like, did, no, did just break. The it family was broke. Yeah. Was it, it was just basically, um, he was only in jail for one night and then he came out as far as it was that after that went a bit blurry mm. because a lot went on. Um, there was loads of rearrangement. Re- the house was rearranged and stuff. I just remember rooms been rearranged. Mam moved into another room and it was just all over the place. I was also on the local pantomime at the time. So I was kind of tap dancing myself away and, you know, being busy. Um, I don't really remember. And that's the truth. I think it, it went into a year of just change, complete change. And it just went from there. And I just remember getting up one day thinking, I, I can't, don't need to be afraid anymore. I don't need to listen anymore. Do you know that? Did that, you find that you were still doing that? I was still doing it. I, was doing, I must have done it for about a year. Still waiting for the front door to open in the middle of the night. He used to have this black bike. Fishing, he used to go fishing on it. And I remember the front wheel of that bike used to freaking make me shiver. Because I knew if he was on the bike, he was in the pub. And I used to just think of that fucking wheel everywhere I went. Like, you know. Mm. Um, but I think it took about a year. And then eventually I just remember... This is, this is okay now. This is, he's not coming back because she always took him back. So I think that year was the fear of him coming back, but he never did. 
And why do you think he never came back? Because she knew that I'd move out. She, well, I think she knew at that stage that was it. The next time he was going to kill her. Because that was attempted murder as far as I'm concerned. You hang somebody out a freaking top window. I don't care who she, who, you, who the person is or what, what you are in your house. What, because he's your husband, he's allowed to do it? I don't fucking think so. That's attempted murder. He could have done fucking time for that. Um, and I think next time he would have killed her and I think she knew it. And did she ever try and get away from him? Did she she did. ask for help? She did a couple of times, but just back then it was just very different. It, it really, really was like you went and you got barren orders and you got people involved and doctors, but you just went back to your life. You weren't allowed to be a single mother. You had to have a husband, no matter what he was, you know, and she made her bed. That's what people said. You made your bed. You're lying. Well, I wasn't fucking lying in it. <laughs> no, I was yeah. buying a new fucking mattress and a new duvet and a new pillow yeah. and I was fucking gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. And then did you ever have, sit down and have like, have over the years, have you had a heart to heart with your mom? Uh, no, no, not really. No, no, we d- we never really did. And that's just being honest. And she'll tell you that herself. We never really did. Now she defends me a lot. Say me and my mom, me and my sister and brother had a massive row two years ago, right? It was very stupid, but we're all affected by stuff, you know? Mm. And we had this big row, we fell out or whatever. And, you know, mom kind of got involved and said, have you, and I remember her saying, have you any idea what she's been through? And I remember going, huh? what? what? <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> you said mm. what? Mm. Yeah. That's the first time I actually realized she, she knew it. She realized it, but she's never said it. And um, we don't really talk about it. No, we don't. It's very cliche. It's, it happened and it's gone. Um, she knows I suffer. She knows I deal with it the best way I can. Um, she knows why I did it. Uh, but we don't really talk about it. And to be honest with you, if we do talk about it, I get very emotional looking at her because it happened to her. I can't deal with it. If she gets upset, I'm gone. I'm like, nah, give me a bottle of wine. Can't cope with this. You know? Yeah. God love her. She's been through a lot. And then you said there earlier on that when you went, like there was a breakdown between, did you, like, do you have resentment towards your mother? No, absolutely not. Absolute, not one bit. Because I know the situation she was in. I didn't at the time because I was too young. But no, now I'm an adult and a mother. I know why she did what she did. Um, Probably now women wouldn't do it. But back then, that's what women did. You went back to your partner, no matter what. I've seen women almost being killed by their partners and still went back. It's what you did. And I think mom just wanted it to just make it as easy as possible. If he hits me tonight, it'll be okay tomorrow night. Hmm. But that's not what's going to happen here, ma'am. You know what I mean? But that's the way she was. Like, get the beating over now and then we'd be okay for a week. That was my mother's life. And she accepted it without thinking of, of me or it wasn't, she didn't think of it the way she should have, but mm. she couldn't cause she was just blinded by the whole lot of it. You know, do you honestly think it's changed now? I think it's changed. Yeah. But it still goes on, but there's more help out there now. And there's more, I just think back then every second household had domestic abuse. Every second household. Now it's changed. Women now are beating their husbands and it's all changed, but it's still going on. Now, I wouldn't say it's every second house now because it's not. People have changed. The world has changed. Do you know what I mean? Men have grown up differently, um, but it still does happen. And I think when it does happen, it's very, very private. 
you wouldn't see anyone beating a woman down the street like you would in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't give a shit back then. You wouldn't see it now. That would be well hidden until someone dies. But I suppose my issue now is to get women or men or children or whoever domestic abuse is happening to, that there is help out there now. There wasn't then, but there is now. And I also want to clarify that, that, that there is help for adults who suffered with it when they were kids. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things happen where you grow, you grow up with domestic abuse and then you do domestic abuse. <laughs> You're following the suit. Oh, thank God none of us did. People have, and I've seen it with their children. And you're saying, why are you doing this? Your your father was like this. Why are you doing, you know, they do follow suit, unfortunately. Um, But there is help for it. There is help for it. And we know that this is, I know Saoirse and there's some other um, women refuse out there. Um, But I think you're right. How, if you didn't process, process it as a child, and now you're going into adulthood and you're coming into your own family. Mm. How do you process it? Mm. And it's the exact same way with grief that mm. if you lose someone early in your life, you don't deal with it. But then you deal with it later. Sometimes it comes out later in life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in the last four years, since I had that mental breakdown in 2017, my dad, the history of my dad has come out more. It really has. And I went to therapy and everything. Like I went and went to Acorn. I went to my sessions, talked about it. What did, basically what did, like this. Yeah. What did you have your breakdown for? Well, what happened was uh, my marriage broke up. Okay. And uh, me and Andy just went through. Uh, and now this is no, uh, by the way, this is on my page and I spoke about it before. So it's yeah. Andy knows, whatever. It's not private. Um, we went through just a rough patch, basically. And we separated in October 2016 just after my 40th, I just went into this black cloud and I could not get out of it. And God, like men can only put up with so much as well. Like, do you know what I mean? It wasn't fair on him either. He had enough. I had enough. And we just decided it's time for a break. We're together since we were 19, like 20. Um, so he went off and got an apartment. I'm in the house with the kids. I just got worse and worse and worse and worse. And then finally one day, in following Feb- 17, 2017, February. I just remember, I don't remember a lot about that day, but I remember Jessica, my, my teenager, or she was on the phone. She would have been what, thir- 12 or 13 then. And I could hear her talking to someone. And then I could hear my son saying, ma'am, ma'am, I just went into a complete blackout. My mind just blew. And they had rang, had rang Andrew and said, something's wrong with ma'am. You may come up here because they had to go to school. I didn't even get out of bed. And I just remember Andrew saying, get up, get dressed. And I couldn't, I just said, I can't, I can't. So he got the kids to school. And I remember him saying, I want you dressed when I come back. No, it wasn't happening. And then he came back and he literally dressed me, right? He put, I remember him putting me in the front of the, the car. Oh God, when I think about it, like, and he drove me to Galway. And I don't remember going to Galway. I just, because he was working in Galway. So he literally just threw me in the car and drove me up to Galway. I just remember sitting, looking out the window going, where are we and where are we going? And it took like three hours, obviously. And I cried for the three hours and we went to the beach then we got a bag of chips. And I just remember coming home. I was exhausted and I just went to bed, slept it off. And then the next day uh, he stayed that night and then the next day he got up and I just kind of let it all out then. And about two weeks later, he was back because I knew he was like, we weren't supposed to separate. It was stupid. Mm. It was just the, whatever happened to me with that depression. It took over my whole sense of what was right and what was wrong. 
And um, I knew then that he was just the one. I said, no one does that for for anyone. I mean, come on. Like he literally should have just said, would you cop on to yourself? I'm moved on now, you know, but he didn't. And then he got me set up with the therapy and everything and everything just worked out for the best. That was oh, it. Was the depression linked back to the domestic? Absolutely. The girl in the acorn, she was lovely. And she said, Ruth, you have so much up here and in here. It's going to take so much more time. It's going to take so much more time. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of it was to do with my childhood, with poverty and abuse and everything. Yeah, really, really did. And it all just came out. I think when I hit 40, people say when you hit 40, you change. And I remember thinking, come on, it's the same as 39 and 41. It's not. I did change a lot when I hit 40. I really did. A lot hit me when I was 40. Yeah. I was thinking when I, I when I hit 40, I remember thinking my man was 40 when he was hanging around the window. Right. And I remember thinking, imagine me. That, imagine if someone was doing that to me. No, I'd batter the living daylights out of him. Well, you don't know any of what yeah. but that's my perception. And I think I started thinking a lot more of my mom at that age. And then it just hit me, I think then thinking how did she d- imagine me coming in and having to face that that life what she did and I think that's what happened to me did you ever get counselling as a child no you're mad they call you weird and everything you must be joking I barely go to the doctor like <laughs> you went there when you'd fleas or something <laughs> so your respite was literally that year in America yeah that was my year off that's the way I looked at it I had to have I had to do that my, the girl in Acorn actually told me that. She said that year actually changed you as a person completely, completely. I just, the worry was gone. I could relax. I was with a new family, but they weren't my family, but they were a new family treating me differently. And they were really rich and I had a car and, you know, that kind of way. And it was just, I had my own bathroom. What? A bathroom? <laughs> I think of it like, um, it was just a different life. Do you think that year saved you? That year. Yeah, absolutely. Without a shadow of a doubt. And the family I lived with saved me as well. Because I told them some of this. Yeah. Because I told them why. they Like he loved her like she was a god. American men love, their wives are gods. And he adored the ground she walked on. And he was horrified when I told him some of the stories. And was it difficult in the moment having to, <coughs> you said it with your mom, you were like, I'm going, it's fine. Like she didn't want you, your brother and sister. They didn't want me to go. They were devastated. My sister tells me to this day that she's dev- she was devastated and that they blamed me for a lot of years for leaving them. Mm. Yeah, they did. Oh, unfortunately, but they don't, they didn't understand why. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I still to this day try and explain to them, but they did, they resent me for, I think for a long time. It's the fact that she's left us. I was their mother. Mm. I was their mother and I left them. And that's the way this, this went on only two years ago that it was a whole hullabaloo that I left them. I was like, I, I didn't leave you. I wasn't your mother. I'm your sister. You know, I get it. <laughs> I am entitled to go somewhere if yeah. I want. I haven't done for 18 years. You know, when all my friends were going off doing stuff, I didn't do it. Yeah. Cause I couldn't. Well, now I am. And it was a hard decision in my life. And you want to hear the ironic thing about it? The morning I was going to America, right? Um, I didn't want my family coming. I just wanted to just go because I knew if they were all in the airport, I would have driven back home, mm. you know. So who brought me? Mm. My dad. Stop. So I went up with my dad. 
Now, he didn't drive. An uncle of mine actually drove. He worked in Gateway back in the day or whatever that was, Gateway or something. And he said, look, I'll drive you up. And um, my dad came with me to say goodbye in the house that morning. And he said, oh, please, can I go with you? I was like, no, I don't want anyone to go with me. And he goes, please. I was like, right, okay. So he did. He got in the car with me and carried my suitcase in. It's a, a good memory I have of him. It's a good memory because that was a good memory. Sorry. <laughs> and he did. He brought me up and I remember getting out of the car. I just have blurry images on him. I was standing waiting for the girl to come and get me. The woman comes over and takes her stuff because I had a big sign, you know, this sign. And I turned around to hug him and he wouldn't come in and he was standing outside the door and the, the sliding door is closed. And he said, I can't do it. And I was like, oh my God. And he just waved and he just left. And I just remember him. I just remember him looking at me like that. And I was just like, oh my God. Sorry, Bess. Oh, Lord. You know, and even everything I did, the guards and everything, like he still done everything for me if I asked him, you know. How much do you pay by the hour in here? <laughs> <laughs> because you get a lot of money for this, like <laughs> Yeah, so even in the bad moments, he had some good ones. And did he have a conversation with you in the car? I don't remember. Do you know? I won't, I won't lie to you. I actually don't remember the ride up. I don't remember. Mm. I, he wrote to me in America. Did he? Because there was no phones or email. There was no internet or anything. He wrote to me all the time. He used to send me pictures and everything. And I used to write to him and send him pictures of me with the at the White House and everything. And he was just so proud. Because um, there was good times with him. There really was. Um, but he was an alcoholic and that was it. And it just took over his life. Did he ever apologise? He he did once because I was getting married, and I um, was telling him I was getting married and everything. And he came up to the house. I remember, and he was talking to Mam because they were still very good friends. Like Mam didn't hate him; he didn't hate her. They still got on really well, you know. If he came up, um, and we told him I was getting married, and he said he was going to go to a place in Limerick, and he was going to got himself right and cleaned up and everything. So we got him in, got him checked in, got him sorted. His brother helped him out, his twin brother helped him out and um, got him down there. And he did, he did a good while and he was there for a couple of weeks, but he was still there on my wedding day. Was he? Yeah. Um, so that was hard. He wasn't going to give me away. So I got my mom to give me away. Um, and then he came out then, I came back from my honeymoon and he was out and he... I got a phone call then that he had fell and hurt himself when he was in hospital because he just came home and got drunk again. Did he? Yeah. So he wasted all that time and wasn't at my own wedding and came home and just started it again. I used to have to go down to him. I remember going down to him one Christmas day with a selection box. <laughs> he was just drunk on Christmas day on his own. And I know people say he deserved it. I know that people say, oh, leave me, he deserves it. It's his own making. It doesn't matter. He's, you know, he's still my father and he's still a person. And yeah, that's basically what would go on. And then it just went on from there. I'd see him in the pub or I'd see him wherever. Yeah. See, love is love. It doesn't matter. Love is love. Yeah. And he was your dad. He was. And he adored us. I know he did. He loved us, but he did. He just loved the drink the and the drink, drink. Just demon. A demon. It turned them into a freaking nightmare. 
If he had stayed off that, I'm telling you now, my dad would have been a different fucking man. But he wasn't. He baked, like, geez, like, who bakes? Like, what men baked? Like, do you know what I mean? Chicken pie. I just, I can still smell it. Chicken pie. He used to make me, I used to dream of it and everything, chicken pie. He did everything. He'd clean, he'd paint. Any little different thing I'd see in the house, I'd be like, oh my God, this is a good day. It's a good day. It's a good day. What I've just spoken to you about were good days. That day in the airport was a good day because we had a connection, me and him as well. You know, people don't realize why we had one. We did. We always did. But he just chose a different path and I just guided him off our path and onto his own. And I just went my way and everybody, he went his and I just, I still miss him. And then when I heard he died, I, I nearly killed me. It nearly killed me. And that's, he was only 55. <laughs> And um, I know a lot of people said, oh, you know, Ralph, he deserved it. Sorry, his name was Ralph. Mm-hmm. Ralph Mary. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he did, no one deserves to die. So he died very young of a massive heart attack. The drink just caught up with him in the end. So yeah, I still miss him. And were you in his life towards the end? Yeah. Oh, massively. Yeah. He died on my birthday. Did he? So he rang me. He rang me. See, he would ring me all the time. He was deaf in one ear. So he was always shouting on the phone. Right. So I used to, if I was in work, I used to have to go down the stairs because you could hear him. Yeah. And the uh, morning of my birthday, I was talking to him. The night, I went out for a meal with Andrew the night before. And we didn't, I had one drink because I knew I had to go to work the next day. And I was in work and, um, um, I just remember sitting there and he hadn't rang and I was like it's not like I'm about to ring me on my birthday like he'd be shouting you'd hear him and even yeah. one of the girls in the office was like we haven't heard your dad yet like yeah. shouting at you on the phone and then I was on the phone to someone in work and I just happened to look up this is in Suffolk Street in Dublin in town and I just remember looking up and Andrew was standing at the door I was like what? didn't think you're dreaming I was like what the hell are you doing here because he worked behind Heineken at the time yeah. I was like what's going on and I just knew did you I freaking knew. I said, it's my dad, isn't it? Andrew found him. <gasps> yeah. Andrew found him. Did he go to check on him? Or? He went to check on him. Yeah. Because he lived around the corner from us. Okay. Living a flat around the corner. And I had rang Andrew that morning and said, I have to have my father. So he look, Andrew said, look, I'm heading up to such and such. I'll just pop my head in. Because he's a dog as well. Like, you know, yeah. he's I'll pop my head in the two of them. He said, I'll see what stories he's probably drinking or whatever. He's probably mm. drunk. I was like, great. And I just knew. And that was it. The rest was just a blur. My mother was heartbroken. Mad, isn't it? Mm-hmm. She's such a nice person. I get it. Like, no, I get it. <laughs> I cried and cried and cried. And my brother was in Australia and I had to ring him to tell him to come home. And he did. Did he come home? He came home for the funeral and then went back. Yeah. Yeah. He told me even, he said even crying that day was a struggle. I was like, oh my God. He really did hate him. Yeah. I can understand it. Yeah, that dynamic between a son and a father. Absolutely. Because he was no use to my brother whatsoever. Of no use. Like a father should be to his son. When I look at the way Andrew is with my little Joe, like that connection is unreal. And the way Joe is now not being well, they're just amazing, the two of them. I can't understand why a parent can't have that with their child. And my father did not have that with Barry. And Barry missed out on a lot because of it. He really did. And Barry was very talented. He was a great goalkeeper, mm-hmm. great football. He loved his football. But he never got the chance because his dad never cared. And I hadn't got the energy. I hadn't. And then my sister was a great swimmer and she was scouted in school. And they said, I oh, would send her off. To, she has to go to Dundalk. I think it was twice a week. They were going to send her off to the Olympics when she was 16 and everything. And we couldn't afford it. Couldn't afford the bus. Her to go up twice a week to Dundalk. That was like going to fucking Germany. 
I was like, no, it's too far. We couldn't. Father was no help. My poor mother was working to pay the bills, food on the table. So many opportunities were lost because of him. Yeah, absolutely. That's really, really, really sad. It's very sad. And I carry that as well. The guilt of my siblings not being able to pursue their dreams because of their father. But that's not on you. I know it's not, but I still have it. You see, it's still there because I was their carer. You know, why didn't I get Rachel to Dundalk two days a week to go swimming? Why couldn't I have done it? You were fucking 12. Exactly. That, but I don't see now I'm thinking I could have just brought her down to bus air and, and went. I couldn't have. But that's the way I feel I should have. But they really didn't have an opportunity in life because of them. None of us did. None of us did. No. We could have done so much more. Can we touch on the row with your brother and sister? Yeah. So did that like resolve itself? It did uh, because of my mother. Mm. It did resolve itself because she had, she told them like we, it was all about uh, something. Someone had said, oh, well, she went off and left us anyway. So it makes up something like that. It was something stupid. We were in the pub, it was stupid drinking. And of course, then it all went, my Andrew went mental and said, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are saying that, to, saying that to all and all this? Then we just went through to my mother and she fucking flitted them like and everything. It just went from there. We all just kind of stopped and said, look, we all have our own issues here, lads. There's no point in the three of us falling out because that's all we have. We don't have anybody else. That's all we've ever had was the three of us. Do you know what I mean? So we just went from there then and just a couple of, two months later, then Rachel's husband died and we never really got a chance to do it together. The three of us. Mm. There's always something getting in the way of the three of us doing something together. And we still haven't. And then tell me then, you meet Andrew and do you sit down and exp- or say to him, look, this is my life or yeah. did he know? Uh, no, he didn't know. I kind of, he, he started coming to my house because I was living at home, back home. And he started to get to know Barry and Rachel and my mom and every, he knew mom was working 24 seven. He rarely even saw my mother because she was always working. Um, Barry and him then didn't get on. Okay. Then Rachel and him didn't get on for a long time because this man was coming into the house mm-hmm. now and taking Ruth away. And um, now we do joke about that now because they're so close. Now. Like Barry and Rachel and my husband are like, I'm not joking, three peas in a pod. Mm-hmm. But back then, Barry took this, this role of man of the house mm-hmm. when he was only about 14. Then poor Barry went down a bit of a rough path through his teens. Totally understandable because yeah. he had no one to tell him not to. Mm-hmm. And he got away with a lot and he did get into a lot of trouble. That's why he went to live in Australia because he knew, he said, Ruth, I have to go. And I said, no, you know what I'm talking about. That's why I had to go mm-hmm. because that's why you're going to get away from shit. That's what I did. So he does understand. And he, he went for like 11, 12 years. You know, he, was, he came home twice and mm-hmm. um, got married everything she's they're home like she's home and all of the two of them are here living in my mom's like the house is full um but him and andy didn't get on for a long time so and that when, happens that happens oh, within, within relationships a long time yeah. so they got on better on the phone and barry was in australia because mm. he's man united fans and then they'd watch he'd watch the game the next day and repeat or whatever with the time difference and the two would be chatting away and i remember barry saying he was coming home for rachel's wedding and I was saying to Andrew and he was like, oh, Jesus, I actually forget what Barry's like because he's coming home a man. He mm. went to me, a child, and came home a man. And I remember we went to the airport to pick him and the wife up. Me and Andrew went up in the car and I, I was sick. My stomach, 
like my stomach was sick thinking, oh my God, I'm not even going to recognize him. Straight away, I was like, there he is, you know, and he picked me up and swung me around and Andy and him were hugging and it was just amazing. He had such a good life over there, but it was time for him to come home. He said he missed everyone and it was time. And that was it. Rachel got married and him and the wife moved in and they're all just happy as Larry. Well, you have your, you have your ups and downs and your mm. frictions and the house full of people. Now Rachel's living at the back of the cabin. So the house is literally full like yes. <laughs> Um And then yeah. and Andrew, so did Andrew, did he come from? Andrew came from a lovely family. Okay. The total opposite of my family. Mm-hmm. And they took me in. Saved your life? Saved me. They took me in. His mom, especially. His poor mom now is in a home with dementia. Um, but uh, Andrew's mom, Doreen, literally took me in. She fed me. She clothed me. She did everything for me. And I mean everything. That woman made my wedding cake. Really? Everything. She's a legend. They were so happy. And it was like, and they had every gorgeous house and a car and... It was just one of those situations that I just loved. I loved being in his house and it's, it was just, it just was great. It really, really felt at home. And then my mom got on really well with Andrew's parents. So we all kind of got on together. There was no friction. There was never any, anything. Um, my brother and sister got on really well with Andrew's brothers and sisters and everything. So it just worked out, you know? And then my, I'm, I've no nieces or nephews. Right. Barry and Rachel have no children. Okay. So it's only my two kids. Mm. So they're bloody ruined, like, you know, yourself. And then with Joe not being well and everything, they're all, everyone's kind of, I can see them all kind of getting closer. And it's just one of those. Yeah. It's sometimes it does take a tragedy. Yeah. And then with my sister's husband dying, that definitely brought us all into this new realm. I swear to God, like you really go into a bubble as a family. Do you? You definitely, you don't let anybody in. I didn't, we didn't want anyone in. It was just the bubble around us. And that was it. Until we de- dealt with the grief, like. Did you go into protective mode again? Absolutely. Uh, anyone said a bad word about any of my family, I am not joking. Yeah. Ruthless. Ruthless was on the prowl. <laughs> and was there then uh, the initial, when um, Andrew meeting your dad, were you nervous? Very. I lied the first time he met him. I said he was somebody else. Okay. Because I was embarrassed. Um, what? Well, you lied I, who your dad was? Yeah, I pointed out to somebody else. <laughs> I said, Andrew, that's my dad over there, but it wasn't. Okay. <laughs> this man was all suited up and looked really well. And then my dad was over the other side. And I'm not- hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I can say that to him. I didn't even know me and Andrew were going to start. We weren't going to have boyfriend and girlfriend. Yeah. Like, I was probably thinking it's not going to work out. But it did. Yeah. I had to tell him in the end that wasn't actually my dad. Like, yeah. it's like He was like, I understand, of course. And then he did kind of get on with him. In his own way, he did. Um, and then when we got, when I got pregnant, Jessica, having the first grandchild, mm. that brought me and dad close again. Because his flat was only around the corner from me. So, of course, he was coming over all the time. I was like, geez, I'm seeing me father now more than I did when I was a child. Do you know that kind of way? But he had that with me. Do you know what I'm saying? And then when Jessica was born, he was completely besotted. Like, he would never walk us in a buggy. My father never pushed a buggy in his life. But he would push Jessica. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, why didn't you push me in a fucking buggy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what, what was wrong with me marrying Rachel? Like, mm-hmm. like, you know, there he was walking down the street with Jessica in the buggy. I'm going to have to take a picture of this because I've fucking never seen this in my life. It was completely different for Jessica. Do you think he was trying to make up for what he, his actions? I think he did. But then, of course, he had, he had a girlfriend then for years. And of course, I was stepsister. <gasps> Chloe, she's 18. <laughs> wow. Gets better. You wouldn't see this on Jeremy Kyle. <laughs> How did you find out or deal with that? Uh, well, first of all, I knew he had a girlfriend, obviously, and it was mm. granny was living with her. So it was, mm. it was you no know, news. Mam was, mom had a boyfriend and everything for she, mm. two or three of them. She made sure she lived her life. Mm. Um, and I just remember him being with this girl, didn't pass any remarks. And um, I remember him, he just rang me and he just said, I'm going to be a daddy again. I was like, what? What, what, what? I'm 22. I have a laugh, <laughs> you know? And he did, little girl. Yeah. Is she in your life? In and out. She was when she was young. Um, we adored her. My mother used to mind her all the time. Do you know that is like in the same, someone else's podcast said the yeah. exact same. It happens. It happens so much. Yeah. My mother took her in. Alison's podcast. My mom took her in and looked after her and made sure that she was never left out of anything. She was everything that happened. She was there and I minded her and I did everything. She stayed in the house with us. And, uh, but you know what? Look, she became a teenager and then her sister, her sister killed herself. And she went through a lot of, of, a lot of crap. I just had to leave her to it. But then she moved out to Navin. So she's been gone now out of town for a long time. I'd see her the odd time, text her, but that'd be about it. Um, my brother and sister don't have a relationship with her. Didn't they? No. Did you, do you feel that with, with, with her, that with Chloe, that sometimes you're like, I have to mind her because yeah. no one else is going to mind her. Yeah. Cause I thought she'd be neglected. Mm. I really did. I really did. And then when Jessica was born, Chloe and Jessica were great friends. Because mm. they're sort of, there's only two years between them. 
No, that's not. There's more. What am I saying? Jess, no, Jess, no. Chloe's twenty now. Sorry, mm. Jessica's sixteen. It's four years between them. So Chloe used to come over to me at my dad in the house, and Jessica will be there on the floor on a nappy or whatever, and we'd have a great time. You know, um, I did take her in and I did treat her like a sister, which she was, which she is. But she just she had her own problems, and then <laughs> she was in a house fire when she was fourteen, and she's like her body is like seventy percent burned. Don't talk to me. Um, do you not remember that? That was all over the papers. No. Bunch of girls up in a room. The room, they were, you know. Okay. The room blew up and one girl, her whole face was gone. Jesus. Um, and Chloe's skin just melted off her body. And we got a phone, I got a phone call that night. It was a bank holiday in August and I got a phone call saying you need to go up to Dolores Hospital ASAP. I was like, what the hell? What's going on? And they were like, Chloe was in an accident. I was like, what? Drove up and there was two ambulances outside. Like it was proper emergency like and the four girls were in there. Four, I think it was four girls were in there. Um, and I was brought into a room with her mom, and I was like, what is going on? And she was telling me what was going on. And I said, no, nah, come on. No. And then they literally, the nurse came out and said, only next to kin's allowed in. Her mother was in an awful state now. And I said, look, I'm our sister. Can I go in? She said, okay. So I had to scrub up and everything. And I went in. I want to see her. The only place she wasn't burnt was her face. She was just wrapped in this cling film. And I could just see burns. I, nah, I wasn't right. I couldn't. I took four months off work after that. I wouldn't fucking blame you. Four months. I couldn't. I went in, I went into work, right? That happened on the bank holiday Sunday. So we were off on the Monday. I went into work on the Tuesday. This is the, my, my boss is listening. He knows this because he was so good. I went in and it was, I went into the canteen to have a cup of tea and it was all over the front of the papers. I just remember going, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I said, someone said, what's wrong? I said, that's my sister. Her face in the front of the paper. They were like, Ruth, what the hell are you doing here? So they brought me, brought me into the boss and he was like, why didn't you ring me? I said, I don't know. I, I don't know. At this stage, she was in Crumlin. And uh, he just said, get your bag, get your coat. We're bringing you home. And that was it. Four months, 16 weeks. Didn't go back till after Christmas. Really? <laughs> Couldn't. And I was up and down to the hospital to see her and checking on her. And it, it was too much. It was just too much. Do you ever, do you have a complex that you never can let people down? No, I can't. I couldn't live it myself. I can't. I, they just need help. If they need help, they just need the help and that's it. I can't do it. I can't run around and say, well, she can just go and shy or he can just go and shy. I can't. To the detriment of your own mental health. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what's wrong with me. I need to let it go. Mm. If I could just fucking, sorry, I'm cursing, let it go and just move on. I can't. I'm a bloody devil for helping and helping and helping and helping without helping myself. Yeah. And as Andrew would say, Ruth, you cannot help anyone until you freaking will help yourself. Like stop doing this and stop doing that for absolutely everybody and look after yourself first. That's my problem. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've been doing that since you're six years old. I'm doing that since I was six years old. Like, so it's something I can't just come out of. Do you know what I mean? And a lot of the time I compensate with my kids. I might spoil them a little sometimes. Look, I don't do it in, in a way, oh, my kids deserve everything. I'm not like that. But there is times where I'd say, oh my God, Andrew, we have no fresh bread. There's an example. And he'd say, it'll be grand tomorrow. No, no, no. We need to go get it now. I don't know why. It's so stupid. But it's a memory I have of having no bread. Yeah. Or having no something. and thinking, I have to have it there. Why? Why? You know? 
<laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That's the way I feel when I'm with the kids sometimes. If something's not there that I know they, they might not even need it, but I need it there because it wasn't there for me. Mm. Do you know that kind of way? Yeah. Yeah. Get it completely. I overfeed them and everything. I'm a devil. I just say like they'd have dinner before dinner sometimes. Really? Andrew would say, them kids are going to grow up to be 22 stone if you don't. And they're skinny, the two of them. Like it's not that. But I do, I tend, I, I'm you, a feeder. You overcompensate? Yeah, I overcompensate. And my mom was a huge feeder. She used to be a huge feeder. She still is sometimes. I am a huge feeder. I love feeding everybody. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Come on over to my house and I'll do a big this and I'll do that. I'm a massive feeder. Yeah. <laughs> but it... It makes complete sense. Yeah, I know. Now that I'm say- when I'm saying it now, it kind of does, you know. Um, but yeah, there was little things like that that would trigger something. And I'd be like, I can't cope. I actually cannot cope. You know, okay. Uh, did we pay the ESV bill this week? No, we'll pay it next week. No, 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 no. Because ours went off loads of times and we'd make toast at the fire. And I'd be like, I don't have a fire. I have no fire. What if the electricity goes off? I have no fire. Like things like that. Try if you demented, like. Mm. Rational thoughts, but rational you have complete. Yeah. Irrational like I've, I've diesel in the car there that might just get me home. Mm. I didn't even check to look at it before I came up. Like, and mm. I know the light went on when I came in here. I had a heart attack. Like, it's so stupid. Like, you mm. know, it's so random, but that's the way I am. I'm a Monica. That's what they call me. Do they? I'm high maintenance. Okay. <laughs> Here's Monica. <laughs> and so when you had the breakdown. Mm-hmm. Did you go to counselling after that or was it before that? After the, after after the break. Yeah. When we, me and Anne, we had the break, breakdown and then um, we got back together. He moved back home, got everything sorted. And then I started going to be counselling then. Yeah. I went to the doctor first and she was like, oh, yeah, here, there's a prescription. Take that every day for the rest of your life, basically, which I am. Mm-hmm. My medication for the rest of my life. And that's okay. And that's okay. Oh, I have no problem with that whatsoever. If I need to pop a Xanax, I pop a Xanax. Mm. But I'm on my antidepressants and I will be until I want to be. I want to be off them and I don't want to be off them mm. because I'm on an even keel. And I like that. I like mm. being in control as well in some way because mm. I never had control. I like being in control. I feel like this medication has helped me to be in control a bit more. Um, but I remember the doctor saying that and she was like, yeah, and here's the number and yeah, ring me next week, definitely. You know, and that's when I went to my counsellor and then for eight weeks and yeah then Ruthless started so tell me about Ruthless <laughs> in my what is it my alter ego your alter ego your <laughs> persona so yeah. tell me like the very very early stages of it like yeah. what was do you remember your first post I remember the first moment okay tell me and I was after finishing my counselling okay and my best friend Gillian had rang me and she was like, I'm so happy for you. So proud of you. And the whole lot. She goes, uh, Andrew's going to drop you out to the house. And I didn't drive for a long time. I couldn't. Okay. Um, I, I, was, I, was, I was so nervous. I was a nervous driver as well. And she was like, oh, Andrew's going to drop you out. I have a bottle of wine here and we're going to have a laugh. I was like, oh, nice one, right? So she cooked me a lovely dinner and we had loads of wine and we had such a laugh. And so of course we downloaded Snapchat to each. It's like, you know, to 40 year old <laughs> download. You know, and we were doing all the different um, filters and the whole lot. And we, I'm not joking, we stomach from laughing. It was just hilarious. So, of course, I came across the, the rootless one, which I call now. Sorry, it's mine. Right. I've taken ownership of the rootless filter. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, of course, I just started messing on the squeaky voice. We were dead laughing. I swear, it was so big eyes. It was so funny. And then I just went, I just had my phone in front of me and started talking about eyebrows or something. Yeah. 
People think my Slimming World one is my very first video. It's not. Right. It's the half a fucking pound. That's not the very first one. The first one is the eyebrows, the HD brows. And I did whatever I was doing. And in the background, you can hear Gillian laughing, right? And I was like, was that funny? She was like, oh, that's hilarious. Save that. So I saved it. Yeah. And then I went home and a few drinks on me. I went home. My daughter was there. She was like, ma'am, you added me on Snapchat. You should be ashamed of yourself. And I said to her, you wouldn't do us a favor. Will you show me how to put that together and put it on Facebook? So she did all that me put it on Facebook and of course everyone was laughing it was funny did you put it on your own personal My own, page I didn't have a Ruthless page then okay. it was just Ruth Leonard yeah and they were all laughing and stuff it was funny but then about two or three days later I was at home and everyone's gone everyone's gone Andrew's work kids were at school and uh, I took the phone go for a laugh now again and then I did the Slimming World one yeah and I put it on my page because Jessica showed me how to do it yeah and I'm not joking like by that night, it was a 10K or something. Like for me, I was like, what is, what's going on? What is going on? And within a week, it was 100K. Then it went to like 8 million. I was like, what's going on here? This can't be real. Is this a joke? And it just went viral. And then I was contacted by all these different Facebook pages. It's gone viral and all them, you know, her or she, whatever. Yeah. I was like, yeah, go share, share away. I would have made a fortune if I had a fucking charge. I know. <laughs> but I was so stupid then. Yeah. Like that I couldn't handle my page then because too much was going on. And Andrew was like, look, we'll just set up another page and call it something. Because yeah. I still had no name. I said Ruth Leonard. I was like, what? what is call it what? Do I call it Ruth Leonard 2 or something? What do I call it? The Mad Mammy? So we were trying, trying to think of a name. And uh, I don't know what it was. I said something totally or whatever. And he goes, totally root. I was like, totally root. No, rootless. And that just hit, totally rootless. He's like, that's it, done. So he set up the page. And then I did some invites for my friends to come to this page or whatever. But then I went to bed and the next day I had something like 2,000 followers. I was like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> like, yeah. So then Andrew was like, well, you have to do another video. You have to keep doing them. So I just kept doing them and doing them. I did, you know, funny stuff about being skinny or overweight. Or then there was pennies, Peppa Pig. That was the best. Whatever I can. That was the first one kind of to get to a million by itself without the help of other pages, you know. And it just went from there. It just went ballistic. Then Andrew had said to me, because he was kind of my manager mm. and he was like right would you like to do something with just yourself without the filter and I was like no you're all right <laughs> don't think so he was like why not I was like right let's think about this so I don't even know which one I did it might have been the Irish names I don't know what it was I don't know it was one of them where I just did it myself and it really did do well and then people started to recognize me then like you know because it was like that's her. I was in Blanchestown one day and somebody was like, I was Christmas shopping. They were like, oh my God, you're the one from Facebook. Like where people started recognizing me. What was it like in the moment putting you oh, out there? Scared the living daylights out of me because one, people knew my history. I knew people knew a lot about my personal life. Two, it was the kids. I was thinking, I don't want them to hate me or anyone to sneer them or anything like that. Three was my family. Do you know that kind of way you're thinking like, why is she doing this? And my family are quite private in their own way. They've Nobody would support me when it came to Rootless. It was just a thing, you know. How tough is that? Very, because I was so into it and I got no, pardon me, I got no support. It was just like, oh yeah, she does this and she does. Nobody would say, oh my God, well done. Never would anyone say that to me, right? Isn't it like... 
that you don't have, you're at that moment, you didn't have a champion, someone to, other than Andrew. Yeah. Andrew was. Yeah. And I love. He was behind me every step of the way. Still is. I know. He stepped back a bit now because I'm well able to do it myself now. Yeah. But he, he brought, he did it all. Do you know what I mean? He's great with technical stuff. Like, mm. you're like Paul and yourself. Yeah. I'm useless. Mm. So he's great with all that, you know. But I don't, it's not like, if you're out and it's like, Yesterday, you know, I was walking through Scotch Hall and Boyne Jewelers yeah, brought gorgeous. me in and gave me earrings. I was like, no, I wouldn't take them. I was like, I don't want them. They were like, no, these are for you because, you know, I was like, no. And I came out and my sister was like, what the hell was that all about? I was saying they just gave me a pair of earrings. My mother was like, for what? Like, it's, it's one of those, I don't know, it's a cliche. It's like, no. And then mom said to me one day, she was like, oh, I was in the shop there and someone had said, oh, Mary, your roots is funny. Like, you know, and she just said, and the other, then it went on more. And she was saying, oh, someone said they haven't seen you on Facebook in ages. What's the story? What's happening? I was like, it's gone. It's hacked. It's gone, you know. Um, Now it's a bit different. Now they know how serious it is and how important it is to me and how out there it is, Mm. you know. But it still wouldn't be, oh, my God, how is Ruthless doing? You know, I did stand up. I did stand up before COVID. Mm. And I remember my brother saying to me, like, how, how, like, how can you do it? Like he nearly got sick at my sister's wedding because he had to do a speech right. and I had to do it for him because he wouldn't do it. God. They were like, they're not, they wouldn't stand up in a crowd and mm. speak like I would. Mm. Do you know what I mean? They'd hide in the background, like, you know, whereas I'd be in the middle dancing on the tables. Like, and he was like, how do you do it? How? Isn't it mad that in our lives, and I'm not just talking about your family, that, um, and I've said this for Sarah and Ballymun Hunt, that mm. Your community, she's gorgeous. Love Sarah, she? you're amazing. I love you. <laughs> and your community support you more than your and nearest and dearest. Absolutely, absolutely. And even when I went and did my first stand-up gig, like people from everywhere came to see it. Do you know what I mean? Now, don't get me wrong. My brother and sister were there, mm. but it was support. It was, but you know yourself. It was just one of those things. Oh yeah, we're just a gig. Yeah. And it was a huge thing for me, like to do of my course. first stand up. And then I was starting my tour and COVID hit. Jesus. Raging. I was starting in Dundalk. That was my first night in the venue in Dundalk. Big, massive venue. So excited. Buzzing tickets were going on sale and everything. Gone. You'll get back that back though. That's going to come back. Bloody better. And everything. Do you know, you know what the funny, the, like one of the, you can imagine the first thing people say when they meet Totally Rootless or if you talk about Totally Rootless, much to pay for that. Yeah. Like, hang on a second. Like, yeah. what, what do you mean? How much do I get paid? How much do I get paid for what? Yeah. You don't get anything. Yeah. Like, it's, this is free, lads. I'm yeah. giving you free laughs here. Like, I don't get anything from anyone. <laughs> You'd be looking to get money for a coffee off Facebook. Yeah. After about three million views, you might get a fiver. <laughs> like, you don't get anything. Yeah. And people think you're getting loads of money. You're mm. not. Mm. You're absolutely not. There's no earning in it whatsoever unless you're sponsored. Mm. And I'm not. And think about it. I'm a 44 year old housewife with two kids. I'm in, I'm, 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 I'm overweight. I'm, I'm, I've grey hair. I, I'm normal. <laughs> Who wants someone like that? Do you know what I mean? You want these young pin 20 year olds. But to people do. can't relate to that. People relate to you. I want people, I want like, I, I'm an ambassador for the Hollywood browser, right? Yeah. And I love that because I have a hairy face. <laughs> 
be honest. <laughs> what do you call it? Peach fuzz everywhere. And I bought it and I fucking said, it's the best thing I ever bought last year during the COVID because I hate getting waxing. Well, I get waxing done, but when the COVID hit last year, I couldn't get it done. Yeah. So I bought the browser and sure I was mad about it and I was talk, blogging about it. Then they contacted me mm-hmm. uh, to fill out all these forms and everything. And they were like, do you know what? If we send you a load of free stuff, I was like... <laughs> I love free stuff. Yeah, Send it yeah, to me, yeah, like, yeah. and they did, and it just the sales went through the fucking roof. It just went crazy. So that's a year now, and I'm still working for them. They actually contacted me this morning, yeah. and they're going to ring me tomorrow. They want to talk to me about something else. So I'm hoping that'll get me somewhere yeah. else. Do you know what I mean? It, it's you get a lot of knockbacks too. Do you? Yeah, a lot. Yeah, and it's hard sometimes to pick yourself back up again. And how, that's what I want. Like, how hard is that? Is that hard for someone who doesn't have? All the, you know, history that you have. Yeah. So it must, it must be. It is very hard. And there's times where Andrew would say to me, you deserve a break for someone to come along and say, do you know what? She's funny. Get her to do this or something. We'd get a few bob, try and get some money earned. I always get knockbacks. Always. In and what I, way? What kind just of? Just like you're not thin enough. You're not young enough. You're not. There's always something, you know, and I just want to relate to a normal person. I don't want to be. Maura Higgins and as much as I love Maura I'm not Maura and I don't want to be Maura I'm normal Mm. and so many women out there have to relate to that they do like there has to be something out there that can say oh we want Ruth she's 44 she's a housewife she struggles with this she struggles with it's just not in the market it's not in the market that's so sad it is sad because if I was 22 and I had boobs up to my chin there would be something Mm. but I don't Mm. (laughs) and it's the housewife who has the money like, hello. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I, mean? like, I just don't understand it. But look, and I keep doing it. And I did say, well, until I'm 50. And then I'm retiring. If I don't get anywhere. But you will. But you can only do it for so long. I've done it four years now and I'm not. Mm. Well, I, don't, I wouldn't <laughs> say I'm years, not. But you've got two years of COVID. I too, uh, yeah. Basically has stopped me from a lot. Mm. I think I would have done a lot more last year. But it just, it wasn't meant to be last year, maybe next year. But um, I do have an online gig on the 27th with, with TNT Promotions, which I'm looking forward to. Brilliant. Um, I am in, I am filming um, a comedy show in Fibsborough on the 30th of May. Right. That's all I'm saying about that. Yeah. Right. Um, so little things like that I'm trying to keep going, but I've auditioned for hundreds and thousands of things and you get to the last audition at the last day and you're like no you're like oh it was tesco it was aldi it was duns everything mm. no i was like oh fuck this like come be arsed anymore auditioning mm. for anything like i'm just gonna be me now i'm not gonna pretend to be someone else anymore they don't like me then don't like me exactly so this thing that i'm doing on the 30th is me yeah so it suits me yeah yeah i don't have to, I don't have to pretend to be somebody else exactly yeah yeah and come here tell me then when tiktok came about what was that oh, like mother of holy god and jesus tiktok saved me life tiktok came out and last year it just blew up because everybody was bored yeah and i remember my son saying hey oh, mom you should join tiktok i was like no because i knew it was musically right previously and i seen my daughter doing musically and i was like i'm scarlet for you that that's actually out there mm. <laughs> you know the stuff she used to do and he downloaded it for me and so he's great he's like he's like his dad technical passwords and all this i wouldn't have a clue so that was grand took it in i was going through it and of course i got addicted on the first day looking at everyone's videos but i didn't post anything myself mm. i didn't even know how to use it and then he was showing me how to use different things and so I just posted my first video and that was it. I never look back. It is one of the funniest things ever. The satisfaction you get from posting a TikTok. 
and it gets a million views. Satisfaction is like nothing. That's nuts. I'm telling you now, it's like nothing. I would open a bottle of Prosecco. Would you? And I would drink it. Yeah. 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 That, that's silk pajamas and Prosecco day when you hit a million views. One of them's now at four million. How many, how many times have you hit a million? <sighs> I don't know, about five or six times. Wow. But I have hundreds of videos, but like, listen, yeah. you won't always get like that, you know? Yeah. So I have 3 million uh, likes now and I think I have like 180,000 followers, but it's quite slow. TikTok's slowing down. Is it? Yeah, definitely. Something else is coming. Do you think so? Yeah. There's something else coming. That always happens. It happened with Facebook. Facebook has completely stopped. Mm. Instagram took over. Now I think Instagram's slowing down. Mm. TikTok took over. TikTok slowing down. I know because I'm doing it every day. Yeah. TikTok slowing down. Something else is coming. You wait and you see. There'll be a new app and it's going to go mental. Yeah. Just ruthless. She knows these things. I'm telling you. <laughs> Once you see numbers going down, you know something's wrong. And I, can, I asked you about trolling. Did you experience any trolling? Of course. The worst. Really? That took, uh, some of them took uh, like threats and everything. Some of them took a long time to get over. Um, now, there was times where I'd screenshot it. And I do. I just stopped doing all that. Did don't you? give them the day. At the, at the beginning, you'd give them the time of day. Mm. Don't. Because they're bored. They just, they're jealous. And they're bored. And they just want to hurt you. Don't let them hurt you. There was threats to my kids. Threats to me being, to social services because I was a bad mother. Loads of different things. I was called a pig. I was called everything under the sun. You can only imagine. Some girl, come on, right? This is the God's honest truth. She posted in one of my videos or something on Facebook. And I didn't even see it at first. And Andrew, Andrew's great at the comments. He, mm. now he'd be, spoiler, mm. he would sometimes reply, he's great mm. at that. Mm. I'm not. Mm. If there was anything that would hurt me, he'd be like, give me that. <laughs> you know, he's great mm. at replying. But this one came on. I'm just, I mean, the banter, like it just went thousands of comments on this girl's comment. Everybody back chatting and, and giving it. I, I just thought, oh my God, it was something like, oh yeah, she's, she was doing slim. What was this? Something about me doing slim in world, which I did two years last year. Mm. Did really well. But mm. then COVID hit and we all went off the rails. Mm. Um, and I used to post up all the meals and everything. And because I was really into it, like, mm. and I was really proud of myself for doing all the dinners and everything and showing everyone. And then she said something like that, like, oh, it's the same as everything else that she does. She does it for a day and then she fucking gives up or whatever. And it was like the same with her slim in world, ha ha ha, or something like that. I don't know what was and the fuck I'm not joking people's comments we were up all night laughing really because people just she she, she literally must have had to get off Facebook because she was abused to the height of it not abusing it bad but people yeah. saying come on to yourself get off the fucking page then don't like don't don't look at her yeah. you know supporting me like you do get that as well like that's a, good though I have loyal supporters out there as yeah, well you yeah. know loyal fans yeah. you know who you are <laughs> <laughs> but that must does it make your heart sing? Yeah, it does. Mm. When they say I can really. see it when you just called out your followers there. You yeah. just lit up completely. I love my followers. I love mm. my loyal followers, my fans. I know that might say, people will be listening going, she's a pretentious bitch. But that's what they are. And I have to accept that. Mm. If I still look at people that follow me as just new people, they're not their followers. They're following mm. me because they find me funny. And I love to make them laugh. Come here, you come into my house and my neighbour was minding my child and she pulls you and she's like, oh my God, are you totally ruthless? It's mad. It is. And I do. And if anyone, if, like I was at Code Line concert last year and even the guards, no, last year, the year before, yeah. the guards stopped me at the gates and I had a, a can in my hand and I thought, oh, like yeah. I'm dead trying to get in I wasn't trying to get in with the can I was yeah. going to throw it in the bin because there was yeah. bins outside 
And she stopped me and she goes, I'm just going to have to arrest you. I was like, what? I was like, oh my God. Like, and Andrew was laughing. I was like, what? They put the handcuffs on me. And she was like, my mom's a huge fan. And took a picture with me with the fucking handcuffs. I nearly wet myself. I actually thought I'm going to be in jail. What is going on here? Yeah, that's so funny. And everybody was all around taking pictures. I was yeah. like, what? <laughs> they thought I was being arrested. <laughs> That is just the funniest. And then this fella came up and he goes, are you going to laugh? I was like, no, Enya's about 23, like, hello. And then when she came to Drogheda, she done a um, stand-up show on Drogheda in the Barbican and tickets sold out and everyone was all over the papers. It was great. And I mailed her and I was like, look, if you're in Drogheda, we'll have a coffee or whatever beforehand. If I knew she was mad busy and stuff. And then I started getting nasty comments from people saying, you'll never be doing that. I was like, come on. You know, Ellie's doing it now about seven or eight years. Yeah. She was young when she started. She's still young. Yeah. You know, she's still doing her thing. I'm only starting out. Like, leave I'm in my 40s. Leave me alone. Like, yeah. that's what they would say. Oh, you'll never be in there. Well, you wait and you see. Because I will. You will. <laughs> you will. But the thing is, as you said at the very beginning, it's, it's pure jealousy. It is. It's small town syndrome. Yeah. That's what we call it. That's what I call it. When you're from a small town... It's like nobody wants to see anyone doing well. Mm. You just have to be the same as everybody else. Mm. Do you know what song I love? John Gavin James, Boxes. We don't fit into your boxes. We're all different underneath, right? Okay. Them words have stuck in my head since the first day I heard them. Because we don't fit in anyone's boxes. We fit in our own box and we're all different. Mm. And a lot in small town syndrome is like everyone just has to be the same. You get up, you go to work, mind your kids, you go for pints, go for dinner, whatever, home, do it again. No, sorry. I'm not going to be like that. No. I'm a little bit more out there. And if that's not for me, then it's not for me. Mm. And if you don't like me, don't watch me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But it's, you know, and even Sarah said, it's so true. If you don't like it. Don't watch don't it. watch it. Just unfollow. There's a button there. It's blue. Yeah. Just press it. Mm. And then you don't have to see me ever again. It's mm. very simple. <laughs> Doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. And then you were saying about the guards, but at the very early stages, how did you deal with the fame? It was hard because I hid it a lot. I would never say to anyone, oh my God, somebody just stopped me and asked me for photograph. I would never have said that to anyone. I would die a thousand deaths because they'd probably think I was pretentious or something. But it happened all the time. And I'd go home and I'd be all excited, but I wouldn't say nothing, you know? And then one day I said it to Andrew and he was like, why is that surprising you? I was like, because look, it's me. I'm just rude. I'm just a nobody, like, you know? And he was like, but you're not a nobody anymore. You need to cop onto yourself. Like, this is what it is. And it just went from there. And now it's everywhere. You know, everywhere I go. <laughs> everywhere you go. Yeah, it's just time. insane. And yeah. I love it because it, you can see people, people come towards me, they're not crying. Yeah. People coming towards me are laughing and they're smiling. Mm. That just made my day. Thank you very much for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. People, I know people, people contact me. They're not well. They're going through chemo, going through lots of different things. And they'd mail me now. I'd get a lot of messages every day. I do my best to try and answer as many as I can. Like and write them down sometimes. And they're going through shit. And they're like, I'm sitting here looking at your video and I'm just laughing my head off. That's me. Bottle of Prosecco sorted now. Thanks a million. Yeah, that's me. Happy. A yeah. friend of mine in the UK sent me your video last year. <laughs> Which one? The Peppa Pig. He sent me that. And he was like, 
oh my God, have you seen this? She's Irish. And, yeah. I, and he's like, do you know her? And I was like, yeah, no, she's my neighbor. No, of course I don't fucking know her. Like, do you know what I mean? But like, I was like, yeah, mad. But um, that's a pig when I think of it. Like, I, and it just happened just on a complete and utter whim because I was minding a friend, friend of mine, I was minding her daughter. Mm. And she was really stuck for a child minder. And so I said, look, I'll help you out for a couple of weeks, but I'm still doing my own thing. And I was minding the child for a while. I didn't mind, but she was. Fucking obsessed with Peppa Pig. I thought, was, I just said, I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. A nervous. And I was in the car. I dropped her off one day and I went in and got a Costa coffee. Because you'll see, I'm in my rain jacket. It was yeah. lashing. And I got in the car, stuck on the filter. I said, fuck this. <laughs> this is coming out. And I just yeah. went ballistic. Yeah. What's your most memorable one? My most memorable video? Yeah. Okay, I'm torn between Peppa and my Slimming World. My Slimming World is my baby. Mm. I think it has to be the, the Slimming World is a half a fucking pound. Has to be. Where, how did I commit in my mouth? I don't know. Like I'm going for a fucking kebab. Where, I don't even know where this comes from. Like, do you know what I mean? Giving out to your woman. I'm going for a fucking kebab. <laughs> that relates to so many women. Yeah. yeah. A half a pound. I, was, I literally starved myself for two weeks. <laughs> a, a what? An okay and a half a pound. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't having it. And I just went ballistic like. I think that's me baby Is it? I have to Because it's got It's got me where I am I'm still broke But it's got me where I am yeah. You might have to get Photographs of people And have fans But you've yeah. no money <laughs> It's so yeah. sad. I yeah. swear it is. It's a cliche. It's like Yeah you're, you're famous here And people love you But you're broke mm. I'm just normal Yeah Like yeah. every other Struggling family mm. You know You have to just Balance things out I wish I could make money And a career out of it But we'll just have to see If I can and it's paused because of COVID. I know everything it's is. I paused. know. Paused. It's yeah. not over. Yeah. It's paused. It's paused. Yeah. There's a I pin know. in it. Yeah. And when COVID is over, you're going to take that pin out. That's it. You see, that's me again. I've no control over it. Yeah. I feel like I've no control over over everything, and I can't cope with that. I cannot cope with it. You know. Imagine taking that pin out, and you've sold out. I arenas. hope so. I hope. I hope. There's the dream right now. You just my heart skipped a beat when you said arena likes. That's yeah. you know, now. I, I love it, but I'd start off with my venues. Go from there. I'd love to do a good few. You know, draw hot is the most nerve wracking. Yeah, of course. Jesus Christ! The first one I did was in McPhail's. Oh God! Oh McPhail's. my God! It was the it was the Laugh Out Loud Comedy Festival or something. I'm not joking. I was in the toilet for two days. I couldn't get off the toilet with nerves. I say I lost half stone. <laughs> Fucking half pound. <laughs> half stone with nerves. I had to bring a bucket. It was part of my act. Mm. I said to Andrew, I'll be sitting on that on the stage. I'm not joking. Oh, I'll never forget. I don't even remember the gig. Do you know? It just went because I was so nervous. What kind of reception did you get? I did I got a good reception. It was grand. Everyone just, see, there was, it was quick because you're only on for like two minutes, three minutes. Mm. And then the next person, it was rolling on. Yeah. So you were very forgetful. But for me, that was just like, but I was glad I got it over with. And then I did a gig in Car- in the Carrickdale. Mm. It was a Christmas market gig and it was just me. Yeah. Well, I remember going up to the room. We, we stayed that night in the hotel. They gave us a room. Went up, there was champagne, um, flowers, chocolates, a basket of fruit and everything. I was like, Andrew was like, oh yeah, get used to this life. <laughs> like, you know. But then again, I knew I was on the stage by myself. I was. And you know what I did? I took the piss out of my childhood. I did. I took the piss just uh, not not the, the not violence mm. poverty yeah and your rich friend 
I'm the poor friend, I'm the yeah. rich friend and stuff like that. And it was very funny. It yeah. was very funny. Like, you know, like very my, well received. I'm like, sure my daddy was on that owl. Yeah. Poor daddy was walking in cement, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. You know, it's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She gets ice cream off the whippy man. I get the, the 15 pence ones that are done in the freezer <laughs> with the papers all stuck to it. You remember that? And you'd be eating paper for a week. <laughs> Stuff like that. Yeah, I just took yeah. the piss out of. Yeah. 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 And then can we talk about your babies? Yeah, of course. So you've Jessica. Jessica 16. Yeah. She's in secondary school. She is in fifth year. Okay. Very stressed over our summer exams. Mm-hmm. Um, leaving cert next year. She's obviously suffered as well a lot over the last year because she's a teenager and she hasn't seen her friends as much. And it must be, it's so hard on teenagers. Mm-hmm. It has to be. Because at that age, I don't know what I've done without my friends. Mm. That is the goal. I would have been dead without my friends. So I do feel sorry for teenagers at that age with no one. Because Jessica, because Andrew worked in medical, we had to be very careful. Mm. Not letting people in the house and all that kind of stuff. And then one of Jessica's best friends, her mom works in Central and she's a manager. And it was just so, and then one of her other friends, her mom has asthma. So it was just unfortunate. They all had these other issues that we couldn't have anyone in the house and she couldn't be in theirs. Mm. But they just chat now all the time through their phones or their whatever they're, do, they're doing but yeah she's doing really well she's a real brain box don't know where we got her from this A's and B's shit like I was looking at her stuff going what the fuck is that because like, I rang my sister I was like she's not getting A's and B's and she was like what <laughs> she's adopted did they swap her at the hospital <laughs> you never know which way you would have been if you had a finished skill so yeah and I didn't get the chance whereas we pushed Jessica not pushed her but we, we gave her every opportunity to do she wants to be a school teacher so okay. we know it's what she has to do if she wants to be a school teacher mm-hmm. the funds we have it all saved we're ready to rock and roll when it comes to college I worked in Susie so I know how expensive it is and I know we're not going to get grants obviously mm. so we know that's there for her Joe wants to be a barber so he's all right he'll be cheap enough yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Joe is 12 and he's just a little sweetheart he's mammy's boy sorry uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, me and him have a very special special bond always had um, and now the fact that he has his, his osteoporosis we're even closer like we are um he's had a rough time he's had a very rough time he's so brave I'm not brave at all I feel like I'm big that was me like I'd be in the gutter I would think to myself but he's been through so much with hospitals and specialists and doctors and I just say how does he do it and then Andrew would say to me are you for real he gets it from you and I'm like does he I don't know you just said you're not brave you're the bravest person I know Ruth I know I'm just you know I'm still I'm still scared sometimes I am I'm scared of my kids health I'm terrified of Joe's health and what the future's going to hold and everything I really am and I'm a mother and you're a mother you know yourself it was your child you'd be the same that's a fear that I'm I'm not going to get over for a long time until we get re- proper results and his treatment starts working so what is happening with him so he had tests and he had genetic testing back in November what that means is because the osteoporosis in a 12 year old child is it's due to your genetics right it's something to do with your when you were conceived basically right so they had to uh, take his bloods and it was all sent off to Germany this is the only place Germany and Canada are the only two places that does these genetic testing took a good couple of months then we went up last Tuesday and they gave us the results. It was a really rough day now. And they called us in and they were like, yeah, okay, he has this X-linked um, osteoporosis. It's very rare. They're still learning about it. It affects his spine more than the rest of his body, which is why he's all the fractures in his back. 
he had a back brace for a long time. He, you know, he's been in everything. He's been in casting his legs, his his back. He's only off his crutches. Um, pardon me. So he um, yeah. So he has his bone biopsy next week. Next, I think it's Friday. Um, and then that goes off to Canada in the same day. That's gone that day. Be tested and the whole lot. And then it comes back and then they'll work on a treatment plan. But it is, it is genetic and he has an extra chromosome. It affects your eyes. It affects your bones. You know, um, if anyone has any issues with their child where the eyes wiggle or because it's called nystagmus and that's what he, pardon me, that's what he has. Um, so he's to go off and have the test. The test, yeah. And it's, um, yeah. So basically when they came back, there's, you see, it's called um, osteognosis imperfecta. That's okay. the name of what this osteoporosis in children is. And it comes with a lot of sight, with a lot of other issues, like your eyes, you know, other bits. Sometimes the white of your eyes is blue, okay. things like that. Now, Joe doesn't have that. He still has, we call it OI, the osteognosis imperfecta. He does have that because that's what it is in children. But he just has it in new rare form of it called X-linked. Um, he does have the nystagmus and he does have the uh, the low bone density. Um, if you remember the Late Late Show, do you remember Adam? Yes. He has a Y. Okay. Okay. So that, but he has his, his is, you know, he's had it since birth and his is quite, he's in the wheelchair and all that. Joe's not there. Mm. We're hoping he won't get there. Do you know what I mean? Because now we've caught it on time. He gets treatment and he goes from there and we're trying to straighten him up. He's physiotherapy. He does walking every day. There's a lot he can't do. Um, but it is a genetic issue and it's nobody's fault. It just, it just happens during conceivement and it comes from the mother and it came from me. And there's a part of me as well. It's like, oh my God. So Jessica's going to have to get tested, uh, but she's no signs. Like she's done gymnastics and everything. She's as healthy as an ox. Like um, she has to get tested still just to make sure and we're going to have to look down the road then as well of my family because my brother and sister because if say my sister like she is only 32 she might want to have children and we have to have to look into that as well because it is a genetic issue and it's in my side of the family do you know what I mean um how did you deal with that I'm not very well (laughs) not very well no I didn't and when Joe was in Temple Street for the week last year I stayed with him for the week and he was just, I, and they were so good because I had a bed and everything beside him. Like we weren't, you know, but I just, every time the doctor came in, I was jumping and I was nervous. And then when she told us, when he had his DEXA scan and they came in and told us about his bones and everything, I think I just went into another world thinking, why my child, why my child, what's going on? Why me? You know? And then when he got his results and she said, look, it is maternal. I was like, oh, what? So, and it's, it's in boys. Okay. But Jessica still has to be tested just to check if she has the gene. But it, it's 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 when you carry a boy. Okay. So that's... And Barry didn't... Barry had no Barry's no children. Okay. And Rachel's no children, so... And Barry wasn't affected by it. Did it come from your mom, do you think? We or? don't know. If it's my mom and my dad. Now, my uh, my uncle was Down syndrome. Okay. He had an extra chromosome, obviously, because that's what Down syndrome... Yeah. That's what it's about. So we're thinking it might be that side. Come from my granny. Okay. Um, Because when I was pregnant, Joe, I had a thing called polyhydronosis. Sometimes when you're pregnant on Down syndrome children, you get this polyhydrogenosis. So I had to be, I was brought into hospital for a week and I was full of water. That's what polyhydrogenosis is. You're completely, I was like, I'm not joking. I couldn't see my toes. I was completely full of water. And they scanned me and said, no, obviously he wasn't Down syndrome and was fine. But he did have this extra chromosome that they didn't know about at the time. Um, 
So that's where the, the gene, the genetic issue is with, with the X chromosome, which is a boy. Okay. Yeah. The Y chromosome's a girl. So that's what happened there. So I, apparently if I carry a boy, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. And my sister went to a fortune teller a couple of weeks ago and she told her she's going to have a boy. I was like, you need to go and get tested first, Mrs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but then it could skip. It could be completely normal. Mm. It could be her children, but it's definitely my side of the family. Did you yeah. see today um, the conversation that Brendan O'Connor had with someone? Oh, so horrific. I, I shared it on my Instagram that he, this man tweeted, this girl thought she was pregnant and she thought that she could possibly have a Down syndrome child. Yeah. And he told her it would be immoral for her to have it and she was better <gasps> off to abort it. <gasps> You're joking me. Mm. On the radio? On the radio today. Live on the radio? He tweeted it and then Brendan Oh, O'Connor sorry, he tweeted it and he brought it up. Because obviously Brendan O'Connor So this daughter. was written on a tweet. Yeah. Yeah. freaking joke me yeah, what's wrong with people oh feck off because even when I was in with Joe that time and the doctor came in to me and he said look we have to just check this because you're having some pregnancy issues where it could be related now we of course we were we and Andrew were upset and think mm. but that's all you're just upset because you're in shock yeah but we're sitting there then thinking right we have to be proactive now and get we have to be ready for all. you're not going to sit there and go oh well I don't want this mm. just, come on mm. like, well, who just says that like mm. you're your baby's your baby doesn't matter what is going on mm. like we we nearly accepted it and said right this is what it is because it was a week before they scanned me and the doctor came in I had three scans and they were able to measure his head and everything mm. and that's how they found out that he wasn't Down syndrome mm. but he could easily have been mm-hmm. you, you deal with life like he would have been our child mm. absolute shame on him now that's all I can say about that mm. shame on him a baby is your baby regardless of what mm. and if your child is sick or your child has any issues you are going to go to the ends of the world to fix that if you can and that's what I'm doing and no better woman. I freaking tell you now, my son will be back playing football. If I have anything to do with it, he will be back playing football. Boy, doing what he loves. If you will, you do anything. You do. I wish I could just take it off him. He walks like an old man. It's just awful. But this, you just, you deal with it. You get up out of bed every day. And you deal with it. You know? And that's what I'm doing. That's what we all do. And I'm lucky to have a good family and good support. Uh, my mom did things like that by herself with the abuse. I'll never know. You know, never know. And even when I remember being in another memory, being in hospital, getting my appendix out, I was nine. And I, back then you were in hospital for 10 days. Like it wasn't keyhole surgery. It was proper open surgery. Like, and I cried every night because I wanted to go home because I didn't know if mom was going to be there when I got home. Do you know what I had no control over mam or Barry or he was only three, you know? And I remember calling the nurse saying, I need to go home. I want to go home. I want to go home and see if my mom, my brother was all right. And I had no control because I was stuck in the hospital and not knowing what was going on. Luckily, well, not that I know of because I wasn't there. And Barry was too young to tell me. Mam wasn't going to tell me. Mm. So they probably did happen and I just didn't know, you know? And it's mad because probably delighted with the break. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't. It was the opposite. No way. I just wanted to be at home. I didn't want to be in there. When they said nine days, I was like, I'm not sitting here for nine days. No way. Like, I actually met two very good friends in there. I'm still good friends. Really? Lindsay, yeah, she lives in England now. She was in with asthma and Jean. She had asthma. I still see Jean all the time. Every, so she How old were you? Nine. These two girls were each side of me. 
and we just got on they just we got on so well and the, I remember we used to say oh where's your machine because back then with asthma it's not like what it is now you had these big massive machines and you put them over your mouth and big green uh, I'm sorry mm. big green plastic things and they'd be breathing through the night in them and everything and I just remember the sounds of the two girls breathing into these big machines um, and me and getting me appendix out <laughs> and you're still you know? friends yeah we're still friends yeah me and Lindsay were in the pantomime together for years yeah and Ruth can I ask you because I will let you go now in a few minutes you've been so good um, can I ask you will you ever sit down with your mother and have a conversation I probably will I probably will yeah I think you see it's very hard to get my mom alone <laughs> these days because she does have a full house and she doesn't really go out she doesn't like since COVID she doesn't really leave the house even though she's fully vaccinated now and everything she still won't Um I probably will. I don't, I don't know. And that's just it's a complete and honest answer. I don't know if I'm there. I don't know if she is. Yeah. She doesn't like to talk about it really. I know she doesn't. She does blame herself a lot for not leaving, for letting us go through it. And I don't want to put her through any more heartache, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. She's been through enough. Mm. Um, I don't, I'm just not there. <laughs> you might go on Jeremy Kyle or something. <laughs> No, but I really... And this is Mary. <laughs> no, but I really think that... It would help. It would help. I know. Andrew says it all the time. Mm. All the time. Bring your mom down. We'll have a bottle of wine. Make some lunch. And mm. it never happens then. Mm. We do bring her down. Mike, bring her down. But we don't... It never happens. We end up talking about something else. The kids. We see with Joe now. Joe's taken over everything mm. now. My mom and Joe are like that. She minded him when I was working for years. Until, up until I left work five years ago. They're like very close her heart's broke mm. and she's just not there I know he's taken over her whole life now and if I think if I was to bring up something about dad I just don't think it would no we're not there just yeah when the time's right when the time is right when I do yeah. write my book yeah I think I, and, I, she, and she wants to be part, part of, it, of it then yeah. that's that's different yeah any any publishers out there no mm. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think putting pen to paper yeah, pen to paper. Absolutely. I even after this hour, I just feel refreshed, a little bit more refre- refreshed and stuff. Good. And yeah, I think I'll sleep tonight. <laughs> and on that note, Ruth, yes. thank you so much for sitting down. Yes. You're very good. I don't think I could possibly say any more. I was <laughs> like, what? If I say any more, people will say she's taking the piss. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much, Ruth. Thank you, Honey Bun. You are so, it's so good to be here. Thank you for having me. All right. Good. Love you. Bye. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.